Genesis chapter 10 is where we are. I know most of you have missed uh, our study in Genesis. Uh, If I was you, I would go back and get some of the tapes, especially if you want to know something about creation and those things, because we have passed that. And we're about to enter into what we would call the, the stories of Genesis. So there would, uh, it's ca- character studies all the way uh, from the end, of, well, starting chapter 12 with Abraham, and then we'll move through the character stories until we get to Joseph, and then we'll quit because, if you remember, I just did a series on Joseph, and then I... Some people asked me to go back, so I went back and finished the whole going finished the whole book of Genesis. So we're in chapter number ten tonight, and there's three things. And by the way, I said to him last week, the reason most preachers don't preach on these things is because it requires tedious study, and they're not willing to do it. They'd rather throw something out there on Wednesday night. It's real easy. And, um, but you have to put a little study into this. And so we start out with the distribution of nations from the very beginning. Chapter 10 gives us the genealogies of all three sons of Noah. Even the critics have been amazed at the accurate historic document that is given right here. It's the only one that ancient that's given here and it's also been proven, it's never and never been proven to be not correct. And, of course, God's Bible is never not correct, right? So, uh, this is a kind of a catalog of the ancient nations available that is comparable. Verse 14, you have Japhetic peoples. Verse 30, you have Hamitic peoples. Verse 26, you have Semitic peoples. In other words, Japheth and Ham and Shem. Japheth is the Aryan light-skinned people. I'm throwing this in so you'll know I'm talking about later on. Aryan peoples are light-skinned people. Uh, Not white because none of us are really white. Light-skinned people. And you'll probably like the Europeans and like we are in, uh, in America, many, many of us. And then Ham was a, uh, the dark-skinned peoples. Um, they, many of them are not um, completely black, but most of that race of the Hamites were black people. Uh, they uh, inhabited certain nations, and so just like the Uh, light-skinned people do. And then you have Shem. Shem is where we get the Hebrew word uh, that we're going to be using uh, in the Bible for Hebrew. Shem for Hebrew. That's where the word Hebrew comes. And it is the Semitic peoples, the son of uh, Arab nations, the Jews, and and all of those are in Shem's crowd. All right? Y'all got that? Write it down quick because we're going to run through them. And so the sons of Shem from this point on is going to take most of our attention. You're not going to, uh, we're not going to dwell on most of those others because God doesn't dwell on them. Isn't it amazing that God just puts 10 chapters in the Bible about like uh, over 2,000 years? That shows us God's not, God didn't write this book to teach us about science. God wrote this book to teach us how to be saved. 
And we need to understand, just because God put this in there, and if he did, it's right, and it's correct, and no professor, and no scholar, and no archaeologist has any reason to deny the accuracy of the Word of God. And so if God said it, it is true. And so he covers a whole generation and then washes them out, and then he creates a new generation. He tells us all of that in 10 chapters. And then the rest of the Bible, he stops and he begins with Shem, that line of people. Uh, let me just quickly give you some of those names that's listed here. Verse 2, you see Magog. You see Gomer. Magog uh, today is Russia. Don't you think it's interesting? We're living in a day that the uh, Russians and the Chinese and, and, and many others are starting to rear up, okay? We're getting ready, folks, I'm telling you, for the end. Then there's the word Yavon. That's the Greek peoples. And then there's Tubal and Meshach. That's uh, Tobolsk and Moscow. And then that's the Russian peoples. And then the Ashkenaz. And they, they still uh, kind of around and I, uh, now call Ashkenites. And so they're the Jews from Germany and Central Europe. And so they're the Ashkenazes or something like that that still kind of claim to that. And then there's Togot. Togarma, that's Armenian, Turkey. And if you go to Ezekiel 38 and 39, you'll see some of these names. They're listed there. The countries, the nations, the tongues, the language, the cultures, they're all coming together in 38 and 39 of Ezekiel. Now, these are our ancestors. You are Gentiles. That's what you are. Pagan Gentiles. That's what we were. Why? Because we were from Japhus line. Daphus line. Jonah, he didn't want to go to Tarshish. Remember? That probably was Spain or, or um, I mean, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He, wanted to go to, he took Tarshish instead, which was probably Spain or the Spanish people, not Jewish. And so Jonah didn't want to go where God told him to go. And so we realize that that word Tarshish is found uh, in the Scripture in an important place in Jonah's life. And then in verse 6, you see the Hamitic, dark-skinned people. They were aggressive. They were the early empire builders, the early empire builders 2,000 years ago. You see Cush. They're from Ethiopia. The Cushites are black, dark-skinned. We, we say black, it's dark-skinned. And Jeremiah 13, 23 tells us that the Cushites are dark-skinned. It also tells us in, in uh, Isaiah 45, 14, that the Cushites are tall men. I said last week, they dominated the NBA then, just like they do now. And so uh, they, they were tall, black people. Nimrod was a tall, black man. That's who he was. That's who Dimrod was. And then you, you see all these other names that's listed through here like Asher, which uh, claims to, for, uh, in verse 22 means the Assyrians and Aram, which is the father of Syrian. And, and, and also that word 
Aram is where the Aramaic language probably came from the uh, people of Aram because the earliest lines we have of the Old Testament are written in what? Hebrew. Hebrew. The very earliest lines we have of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Job being the oldest book in the Old Testament. It was the first book written as far as chronologically and far as, as age-wise or date-wise goes. And so the Aramaic language um, probably even come that way. And so later on, of course, it spread wor uh, worldwide in, in many places. But then later on, of course, the Hebrews had their own language. Then in verse 21, that's the Persian Gulf people, uh, Eber. Eber that's mentioned there is Hebrew. That's where we get our word Hebrew. And then you also see in verse 23, us. That's where Job lived, remember? I'm going to mention that again in a minute. That's why I bring that up. So I'm going to just skip the rest of these people and, uh, and go on let you look them up because I talked about it last week. And, but I do want to say this. I got to looking at that, verse 23, where it talks uh, about uh, us. And the children of Aram, Uz, Hal, Gether, and Mash, do you not think that Job living there, being, as God said, the best man he had on the earth, the best man he had on the earth was Job. Y'all with me? Now, could that not indicate that Job refused to comply with Nimrod, he stayed in us. He would not go and do what the rebellious Nimrod wanted to do. It may also indicate a splitting of the world into continents as we know them today. It allowed for the spreading because there was a connecting and so some way God connected them so there could be a spread all over the world, and we know them now as different continents. And so us might be a very, very important word for you to think upon. So that's the distribution of nations. They, now I don't want you to miss this. this, this these all come from three boys. Noah had a dark-skinned boy. Noah had a brown-skinned boy, and Noah had a light-skinned boy. Those are our ancestors. You can go to Ancestry.com, look it up. Right there. It takes you right back there. And, of course, we know that we came from Noah, and we know ultimately we came from Adam, right? So we do know some of our ancestors in the Bible. So, not all of them we're happy about, right? So, I think they, I want you to understand, though, that just because they were from the same line did not always mean that as they were scattered, that they had the same culture, that they even talked alike, because there's all kinds of dialects in the same continents or the same countries. There's different dialects. 
When I was in Africa, you could speak Swahili here, but you could go uh, to the next area, the next region. They didn't understand Swahili at all. There was hundreds of dialects there. Same thing in the Philippines. Hundreds of dialects there. And, uh, and across the world, we see that. So the beast to come will use this unifying system against God. That's what the beast is going to do. This same language, this, the same monetary system, the same communication, uh, the same government, he uses also the same kind of religion, which is humanism, and pulls the world back to Nimrod conditions. Hillary was a female Nimrod. You say, why can you say, that's horrible. It's not horrible. You know why? Because she believed in a one world government. Friend, I'll tell you, a one world government is disobedient to Almighty God. God told us to scatter across this world. And he made us different. And he's going to make us even more. Let's look at now, the second thing, the defiance of Nimrod, the Nim, Nimrod, and as he builds Babel. The building of Babel was, that's in verses 8 through 12 of chapter 10. The building of Babel was intended to signify and promote the unity of the race. We hear that all the time. I'm so sick of hearing it. I just, it just, it, I, I can't hardly stomach it when people are talking about, well, you know, we're we just so divided. We just need to get unified. Uh, listen, they're going about unity all the wrong way. And I, I'm tired of hearing it. But I want you to know that the very first world federations of nation in human history begins and ends at Babel. This civilization, civilization started with Babel. Go to Revelation 17 and 18, and it'll end with Babel. God's going to take care of the rebels that don't like his rules, his book, his things, his, his, uh, uh, his will. They just don't want it. They're rebellious. And you know to God what rebellion is? When you rebel against uh, something that's of God, you rebel. And he said, it's as witchcraft. It's as witchcraft. God said rebellion is no different from a filthy witch. Right? Y'all with me? Now, this guy was such a rebel. He stands out, and God gives him a little time here in the Scripture. And so we look at Babel. First of all, its leader was Nimrod. He was a son of Ham. That means he was a son of a black race. He was, uh, he was uh, tall and black or dark-skinned. His name means to rebel. His name means that. His wife's name is not mentioned here in the Scripture, but secular sources say that his wife was named Semiramis. Now, Semiramis is the woman who first introduced idolatry to the earth. That's who she was. She was the mother of pagan religion and pagan mythology. That's who she was. That's how far back it went. All the way back to Babel. And Nimrod, mighty leader, and his wife, 
She introduced idolatry. He introduced rebellion. Y'all with me? So, you see his leader. In verse 8, says he became a hero, a world hero, and a hunter. He was looked upon as kind of a champion that would rid the world of the restrictions of God. Nimrod steps in and says, listen, these restrictions God has put upon us, this obeying God and not being able to do our own thing, I don't put a stop to that. It's going to be Nimrod's from now on. So this tower is going to unify them. According to Nimrod's foolish thinking. But I'll tell you something else. We're no better than Nimrod. Every person who does not trust God or rebels against God is a Nimrod. I've been one, right? Some of you have been one. And we understand what it's like to go against the will of God and the ways of God. And this huge hero this man it may have been financially he was a hero it could have been uh it could have been governmentally they took him as a hero it it, it could have been a, a lot of different reasons they took him as a hero here the hunter i think may have been the hunter of souls or men a term which described him as like a person like alexander the great or a person like uh, constantine or napoleon or hitler or lenin or stalin or one of those he wanted to run the world now with me someone has suggested that he could have been the hunter of large animals that's where some some or what was left of the dinosaurs that had not died in the new climate after the flood what we call dinosaurs large animals that men couldn't handle It has been suggested it's a possibility that Nimrod was such a tremendous hunter and knew how to gather people around him in a way that they could rid themselves of those large animals which they could now not control, which in before the flood they could control. That's just a theory. We don't know if he's able to do that, but it's a very good possibility. But whatever he planned, he planned an organized rebellion against God's purpose for mankind. Because first you see him before the Lord, then the next thing you see him against the Lord. Babel, get this, Babel means the gate of God. Later it came to mean more. Later it came to mean confusion about the gate of God. It was a, Babel was confused. By the time Nebuchadnezzar came on the scene, this city of Babylon, that Nimrod had put this empire together, covered 225 square miles, and the empire, maybe the whole world, or at least a large portion of the whole world. And so Nimrod built this great city, which Jonah had revival in. And you know how big it was. It took him 40 days just to walk through it. And so this is the place where God sent revival. So now we see, thirdly, its location. Where was Babel located? It was located on the Tigris or in the Tigris-Euphrates Valley, Mesopotamia. We, we, we know those areas you should have studied in school. I'm not sure where they've taken that out or not now and put the LGBT in. I'm not sure, but I hope they hadn't. They're still fighting over that mess. 
in some states and some, uh, even some uh, counties and cities across the land. But its location was right there uh, at that time. Now it's not pretty at all. But at that time, it was a beautiful place, a productive place, and that's where he was located. Uh, the decision was made in verse number two to dwell there. Dwell there. Maybe it's in verse number two of chapter number 11. They came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. They said, this is where we're going to be. This is where we're going to build the empire. This is where it's going to take place. That's the location that he chose. Nimrod purposed to establish his government right there. Blatant disobedient to the word of God. What did God tell them when they came off the boat? Multiply and fill the earth. Right? He did not tell them to fill Nimrod's kingdom. But let's look at something else about Babel had its language in chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. It had its own language. Everyone spoke the same language. You say, what was it? Don't have a clue. I don't know what it was. I, I doubt it was southern draw. I doubt it was that uh, northern draw or whatever they got. I doubt it was New Jersey. I doubt it was that kind of talk. I don't know what it was. It may have been Hebrew. But cultural unity, if everyone spoke the same language, makes it easy for Nimrod's control. So today, you remember, social media has now made us, brought us to the place to where we can communicate with any language, dialect, anywhere in the world. So social media... Even though it can be a good thing, it also will be used of the devil to be a bad thing. Are y'all with me? It was a singular language. One vocabulary maybe, maybe in heaven will be Hebrew. I don't know what it was, but God will work that out, and I'm not worried about it. Uh, it may be like it was on the day of Pentecost. We'll be the same kind of people we were up there as we were down here, and we hear them speak in our own language. But anyway, not only is it a single language, but it was a secular language. Look what he said in verse 3, chapter 11. Let us. That was not the language of a trusting, worshiping, praying man. It was us, not God. It's that God. Help us to build. No, no, no. He said, let us do it. We can do it. We don't need God. He's too restricted. So what was the materials he chose to build his kingdom with is quite different from what we build ours with. Uh, we build ours upon the rock, and then the Bible says we build it on the confession of Peter's salvation, which is a little rock, First Peter says. So we build on the foundation of a rock that cannot move, and God puts little rocks all in his building as he builds his kingdom and builds his family. Amen? So uh, this, this is the kind of thing they had. Look at their brick, what the brick was. It was just simply hardened clay. 
That was a fitting symbol for mankind because nothing lasting can be made out of clay and slime. So that's the kind of way man is. Quite a contrast to heaven, isn't it? Where heaven has precious stones. A little different. But let's look. It also was a sinful language. Now this ziggurat, uh, it was a stepped tower. He, he, he built, it is similar to a pyramid. Stepped tower. And that's where the way Nimrod was going to, and no telling how long, large the base was because he was reaching to heaven. So he was building a stepped tower all the way into the heaven. Imagine that. So that made it sinful because here was a man against God, sinful. Because from that place, he's going to open up a world empire that is opposed to God. It's going to be the headquarters of all religions. It's going to be the headquarters of all government. It's going to be the headquarters of all rallying points. It leaves, um, it's, it's a political unity and a, a city unity and a religious unity. That's what this tower represents. And when you hear people talking about we all need to get together, that's what they mean. They may not have sense enough to know what they mean, but that's what they mean. They mean we just ought to all get together. We ought to all get together. And it don't matter what you believe or how you behave. Let's just get together. God told us to get apart, to come out. It would be a little bit different, right? So when you cease to become a people for his name and live your way, that is humanism at its roots. That's what humanism is. It's where it started. Right here. Nimrod, this great, huge, tall, dark-skinned hunter and hero, started the thing called humanism. Where humans do not need God, we can figure out everything by ourselves. Our schools have been taught secular humanism. Our papers have printed secular humanism. The internet is filled with secular humanism. We had governmental leaders who believe in secular humanism. We've had members on the Supreme Court who were secular humanists. Remember, that's what Marx was, a secular humanist. So you folks may not think this is very important now, but as, I, as you go on through the Bible, you're going to see how important it is because he was trying to get to heaven another way than what Jesus had designed for them to get to heaven. And folks, when you try to get to heaven any other way than what Jesus had laid out by the cross of Christ in the day to come, when you go to heaven their way, another way, rather than the gospel way, that's called the way of works. That's called religion. And God hates religion because religion rebels against the rule of God. That's why we call it, oh, I'm religious. Oh, yeah, I noticed how religious you was. 
You can show up at church, cuss all week, lie all week, drink all week, gamble all week, lie all week, steal all week, but I'm religious. Just telling you, we got some in Hillcrest Baptist Church. Just as surely as this is ancient United Nations failed to keep peace, the next United Nations will fail as well. There's only one way to live in unity. That's in Christ. There is only one way to reach heaven. That's in Christ. And there's only one way to have a name that stands out, and that's in Christ. So next thing we see is Babel, it's Lord. Verse 6 through 9, these men had ruled God out. But, folks, I like it when God overrules where man rules. Don't you? I like it when God steps in and says, you think you're something. I'm fixing to knock your playhouse down. And that's what's happening right here. God recognized the sinful capabilities of man once they got together with one language and they could all communicate the same way. And they had one great leader and dictator up over them. He understood how wrong and how opposite of what he meant for people to be. And so he comes down. Today, I I really believe it won't be long now before God's going to come down again. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to mess up the playhouse of all of these untrusting, unbiblical, lost humanists. I don't think it'll be long now. Hey, hey, listen to me. It's not going to be long now. Started with Babel, end with Babel. It's already been longer than I expected. It's already been longer than it was in the days of Noah up to Jesus. God's grace is extended a little longer. And I'm thanking for it because we've seen many people say, but truth of the matter is, it won't be long before he's going to come up and mess up man's tower. There's fewer people who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord in America now than ever has in the history of this country. You can go to some other countries in the world, and there are a whole lot more biblical literate and a whole lot more spiritual than we are in America. Is that not sad? Babel. From God's viewpoint, it meant confusion. And God will never permit man to have a lasting social order without him. It'll bring, you remember when in 1 Corinthians they was messing with tongues and messed it up, remember? They were messing up tongues altogether, misunderstood it completely. They took Pentecost and tried to apply it to their daily and weekly religion. And God said, hey, that's not going to work because the devil is the author of confusion. And it was over language. That's when God told women to shut up. And that's when God told men, get up. Brother Gary, uh, Jan had the same surgery that my wife had, 
and he told me the doctor came out and said for $20 more, I'll sew her mouth shut. <laughs> he didn't want me to tell that because he knows he's going to get killed when he gets home. <laughs> but uh, here's the last thing, and, and this is Christmas time, so this, this, is, this is about Christmas. You say, can't be. It is. Now, the last thing is the determination of a nation for Bethlehem. Look at chapter 10, verse 21, I believe it is. Um, Unto Shem also the father of all the children of Eber, Hebrews. The brother of Japheth the elder, even to him were children born. Jesus said salvation is of the Jews. It wasn't of the Gentiles. It wasn't of the light-skinned people. It wasn't of the dark-skinned people. There is no dark Jesus for dark people. There is no light-skinned people for light-skinned people. There is a Jewish Messiah who came to this world. Don't try to change him into something else. He's just not going to be changed. He refuses it. You you see why? Because God had a plan, and he chose Eber to run his plan all the way through the Bible till he gets to Calvary's cross. That's why he kept saying, my hour has not yet come. You see, we'll see God's one great purpose of the Bible. Ten chapters, maybe 11, God takes to describe almost 2,000 years of one civilization, and we don't know how much more of the next. He takes 10 chapters, but the rest of the Bible primarily is concerned with one son's line. Hey, you don't believe that? Go to the book of Matthew, and it'll go backwards. He said, now we're going forward. But then you go to Matthew, he goes backwards. If you don't believe it, go to Luke. We're going forward, they're going backward. You'll see these same names, maybe pronounced a little different because it's written in the Greek. And so the translation comes out a little different, but it's that same group of names. That's why Bethlehem is so important. You see, we'll see Bethlehem babe through Shem. You say, how, do you, how can you prove that? Because of Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that tells us very, very clearly that this king, that God had purpose to sin, that people would try to overthrow, would be born in Bethlehem. The small place of Bethlehem. While the large nations of the world never saw the Bethlehem Bay. You'll never see him as a baby. I'll never see him as a baby. So through Shem, we see Micah 5, 2, which gives us God's purpose of the whole Bible, a promised Messiah. It's God's plan for the whole world to know Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you are a dark-skinned people or where you are brown-skinned people or where you are light-skinned people. God's purpose through the line 
of Shem, just one of them, just one boy. He goes through his line to bring about his Savior, which will save all men. He didn't say, I'll just save Jews. He didn't say, I'll just save light-skinned people. He didn't say, I'll just save black-skinned, darker-skinned people. No, he said, he'd save the world. Read John 3.16, and here's the verse you really need to read. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. That's the Christmas verse that goes with this genealogy. Just read it when you get home and just shout a little bit of hallelujah. So remember this, history is his story. His story. Don't try to leave him out of your life. Because if you do, he'll come down and mess up your tower. He'll mess up and break up and tear up anything that tries to get to heaven besides Jesus Christ. You know what's wrong with this world? I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about this world. These people were scattered all over the world. What's wrong with this world as we've thought there's too many ways to Jesus. Instead of believing there's only one way to heaven, that's Jesus Christ. Are you going there tonight? Man, I hope you are. I, I, I could, I'd like to get into it tonight, but remember this. The speaking of tongues created confusion, but God's going to come down and calm that confusion. And I'll show you that in days to come.